0: Okay, we'd like to introduce Boba Fett. And here he is, a new character. Uh, Can you speak to us, Boba? Certainly. Boba Fett was developed to be in an animated special for television. And I liked him so much that we brought him in as one of the bounty hunters. His reputation kept growing because he was so cool. He got a a bigger and bigger role as time went on. Uh, Originally, that was just written as a bounty hunter. This character, which is the deadly killer, the hired gun, you know, this character is in all the Japanese movies that George and I love and that influenced George when he was writing the first Star Wars, you know. He's a samurai character, but he's the bad samurai, you know. And in all the westerns, he's the hired gun that comes in and is a threat to our hero. And you don't know how good his skills are, and they could be very good, and it turns out with Boba, they're very good. Boba had a great look, you know, he had capabilities, you didn't quite know how quickly he could move and what he could do, but you knew he was very dangerous. And you needed that, you needed someone who was a real threat. I don't want your armor. I want my armor. Here we go. Here it is. Boba Fett. Episode number 254 of Blast Points. This is Jason. And it's Gabe. And we're talking about Boba Fett. It's the Boba Fett renaissance. That's what it is here. He's the character that's kind of always been here. Even when he wasn't here, he was here. Just bubbling beneath the surface, waiting for his debut in Empire Strikes Back. And once the world got their eyes on Boba Fett, the world was never the same. And at least somewhere in the world someone's eyes were always looking at Boba Fett. <laughs> it's really true. It's true. It's weird we've never done a whole episode about just Boba Fett. We might be the only Star Wars podcast left that has <laughs> never dedicated an entire episode to Boba Fett. I mean, we've we've talked about like Mandalorian history, a couple times we've talked about the Mandalorian show ten thousand times, but it's it's a topic that we've always somehow kind of avoided, which is weird because yeah, he's like when when you start looking at the history and the legend of Boba Fett, like on and off screen, yeah, he's been in everything. <laughs> they can't we can't get away from Boba Fett. Well, and it's funny too that if you go back to like our third episode or something. It was like, is there anything you guys don't like? And we're like, well, we're not super big into Boba Fett. But it's a, it's amazing how things change. And just a little bit of new ingredients in the Star Wars stew has got us a taste for Boba Fett. And we got a little bit of Boba Fett fever kicking in. It's the, it's the way it always works. Yeah, just, yeah, just put a little, little new spice in there. And that chili tastes totally different. And this is the best food I've ever had in my life. Yeah. And I always think about like how, yeah, don't go back and listen to like that third episode or maybe just sample it to, to <laughs> kind of just, wow, they really didn't know what they were doing back then. But I always think about like me and like my like too cool for school with Boba Fett in the past where I was just like, yeah, you know, let let all those other people have Boba Fett. I'm not into that. I'm not. But, but I also did have a Boba Fett hologram watch. <laughs> so what does that say? I'm trying to think. I, I'm pretty sure I have quite a bit of Boba Fett stuff, <laughs> right? <laughs> for, for not being that big into Boba Fett. It's the lie we've been telling us, telling ourselves for 40 years here. It's like, I, I might not have a Boba Fett t-shirt, but I think there's like eight Boba Fett figures in the in a bin in the basement. And they're not all from the same year. They're from decades. <laughs> <laughs> I have a bunch of Boba Fett shirts. <laughs> I'm like Henry Rollins. I'm a liar. Just don't even <laughs> listen to anything I'm saying. It's kind of like what like we were talking about with 2-1-B last week, though, a little bit. Because I know, for me, part of the deal, though, is I had his action figure. I had his action figure. I had the 12-inch Boba Fett. As we're going to get into as this episode goes on, a lot of Kids then had that action figure way before The Empire Strikes Back came out into theaters. And that just helped add this mystique and specialness to this unknown character where it's like you knew, like I think like the card for like the 1979 Boba Fett figure gave you like some information and was like he's a bounty hunter. He's an enemy, especially to Han Solo. And you're like, what? When in that time period between Star Wars and The Empire Strikes Back, where you had these action figures and you were kind of making up your own stories, I feel like every story you were going to tell, you'd put this Boba Fett figure in. Because it was like, I don't know anything about this guy. And he looks incredibly cool. Well, especially because when... As simple as those early action figures were, he had so many colors on him. It's almost like you were with 2NB, where it's like you look at 2NB and his, he's got a transparent chest. So you're like, well, this there's got to be something special about this guy. And then the, you get Boba Fett, you know, and there's he's green and there's red and there's yellow. And like, yeah, he just looks cool and he's bright and he's colorful and, you know, he's mysterious. What's a bounty hunter? Oh, that's like in cowboy movies. It just, yeah, it got you thinking. And it was kind of the original idea which Star Wars has kept for all these years of really hyping up this cool-looking character who might not even be in the movie. But it's just something to get you excited about. It's like, he's the original Zuvio. It's true. It's true. (laughs) Yeah. But it's like that's half of the fun of a new Star Wars movie is it's like, because you know there's going to be this character who's in one scene that's going to become your favorite character. And Star Wars was just smart enough to – Show you that person before the movie even starts or even comes out, and then as, as time goes on, and the the mystery of the character, depending on who you talk to, either becomes deeper, or some people like it, it was ruined in uh, in Attack of the Clones, where suddenly we, we begin to learn kind of a lot more information about Boba, who he is, where he, and he was a clone, clone Jango, of course, as we all know. And I don't again, I feel like when Attack of the Clones came out, there was as much as I loved Django Fett, there was part of me too, it's like, what well, did is that in there for the story, or is that in there because everyone loves Boba Fett? And I think that's part of like my long history of complaining about people's obsession with Boba Fett, where they was like he just wasn't my favorite character. At times I wondered if, like, the Django thing was just kind of shoehorned into Attack of the Clones. Now, of course, I take it all back because I love it all, and it's brilliant and beautiful, and it's still going on today, and I wouldn't change it for the world. But I, And I feel like part of that is just the process we go through with Star Wars movies as years go on, you know? Well, we'll get into it a little bit later, but, I mean, it is probably a little bit of both that. There's definitely history with Mandalorians and Boba Fett and stormtroopers and, you know, the things that happened in Attack of the Clones. And then there's also getting people excited about that helmet again, because that's kind of all it took with Django, where it's like, oh, I, I know that helmet. You start speculating and imagining things and, and there's a story brewing in your head just because you got to see a, a picture of a helmet that looks like Boba Fett. And it worked again with the Mandalorian. Like you just see that helmet, and your mind starts thinking about stories. For me, it was the same thing again with the Mandalorian. Like very early on, I remember talking to people and being people being like, "Well, Boba Fett has to show up." The show was called the Mandalorian. I was like, "No, he should never show up. (laughs) We're not going there." And then you know the end of the marshal, and he turns around, and I just about jump out the window. You know, it's it's the same thing that was in kind of Attack of the Clones, where we learned a little bit there, and then now with the Mandalorian and eventually Book of Boba Fett, his character is becoming more and more interesting every time he's reintroduced into the story, and now he's you know his story is riffing on these very Star Wars things like knowing who you are and your place in the, the the universe, who you are versus who people tell you you are and father and son relationships. And you know, the fact that when we meet him again in the Marshall, he's alone in the desert with like a gaffy stick and wearing like black robes. And he's got to get his armor back and kind of what that means and everything. I feel like now in 2021, I've never been more interested in Boba Fett as I am now. I mean, as of recording this, the Hot Toys Mando Boba Fett is about to come out, and I'm—I'll do it. <laughs> that's where I'm at right now with Boba Fett, and that's saying something because you've been fighting against the uh, Hot Toys for a long time, and it's—it's it's kind of incredible to see that it might be Boba Fett that pushes you over the edge, <laughs> yeah. if. Twenty twenty one Jason went back in time to two thousand Jason and was like, "In twenty years, you're going to buy a three hundred dollar Boba Fett." I've got, I've got to go to the future and talk myself out of it. Obviously, I've gone insane. <laughs> hey, like I said, I had a hologram watch in the nineties with Boba Fett's face on it. I might have been living a lie this whole time. I may have not just. I might have just been denying my true. Boba Fett passions that were laying dormant under the surface all this time. The Mandalorian and Tameo Morrison back as the character. And my love, my weird love for Django has brought it all out. Well, there's definitely something to to Tamora Morrison, just his personality and charisma becoming Django and now Boba. I think that kind of maybe draws you in because, you know, if you're really into the, into this, The mysteriousness, you know, Attack of the Clones probably didn't do you any favors. But I think for a lot of people, getting that little bit of more story and seeing the person under the helmet and seeing the person under the helmet being Tamora Morrison, who just, he's such a character. And now seeing that character of Tamora Morrison, you know, 20 years later, just brings so much Reality to something that's very unrealistic in a way, and it just yeah, I, I, I'm can't get enough, and I'm like can't stop thinking about Book of Boba Fett almost more than Mando season three at this point. Well, that was the thing too, when it was like, well, is this Book of Boba Fett actually Mando season three? And everyone was all confused, and there, you know, a bunch of people there was like, okay, yeah, like you were saying, I feel like there's just there's just a a presence. In Tameo Morrison and and his voice and just the history of the fact that he is the first clone of Django. And after watching all of Clone Wars, it adds so much. It's the classic George Lucas thing where, yeah, maybe if people liked the mystery, like you were saying, and Attack of the Clones didn't do them any favors, George Lucas is just like, Just wait. Got a lot of story to tell, guys. Shut up. Because, yeah, it's, it's it all means so much more now. And I think that's part of the thing. He's not just the badass Boba Fett anymore. It's like it's a real character now. Well, especially it's a very George Lucas thing, too, to like, okay, I, I'm going to bring back Boba Fett for the fans. But I'm going to make Boba Fett have a dad. And him and his dad are going to love each other. And it's gonna become this family thing as opposed to just yeah this faceless badass bounty hunter like he brought him back but he brought him back on his on his own terms in george lucas style yeah because really like when you really think about it i can't think of another character that's not a skywalker or immediate member of the skywalker family or whatever that's had more development through the history of Star Wars than Boba Fett. Now, really, like, well, he's almost, and this is, I think, makes the live-action show so interesting. He's almost up there with Ahsoka as far as being a character that we've seen over a long period of time and over their entire life as a as a kid, a ten year old kid in Attack of the Clones, to a however many year old man he is now in The Mandalorian. And because he was only in a few Clone Wars episodes, but it was enough to give us that, like, middle chapter. And it's just neat to have a character that you kind of have been following their entire life. And we have no idea, no idea where it's going next. Kenner's Star Wars collection comes with Stormtrooper, the Sand People, and all 20 action figures, including new Hammerhead, Snaggletooth, and more, each sold separately. And now, Boba Fett, Star Wars villain, with his laser rifle. Boba Fett is not yet available in stores, but you can get him free with four proofs of purchase from any Star Wars action figures. Details on specially marked packs at participating stores. Offer ends May 31st. Star Wars action figures sold separately from Kenner. we have no idea where it's going, where the the story of Boba Fett is headed next. We'll find out in the end of the year. But we do know about where Boba Fett has come from. Behind the scenes, Boba Fett's story is just as long and crazy as it is on the screen. And yeah, Boba Fett really starts out in some of the earliest drafts of the Star Wars, of uh, George Lucas sitting around endlessly typing away at his screenplay drafts, telling Martin Scorsese about his crazy ideas and <laughs> carrying around reference books everywhere. Darth Vader, in some of the earliest drafts, was more of like a mercenary bounty hunter kind of person, like hunting people down. And then yeah, in, in May of 74, Prince Valorum was basically a bounty hunter. The, he was the original Black Knight of the Sith and used Vader to track down the heroes with this May 74 draft there were Ralph McQuarrie was doing some sketches of like this Prince Valorum character and kind of like very similar looking ideas of like super, super stormtroopers like super commandos and everything kind of all had this very Boba Fettish Mandalorian kind of look to it. And some of those designs, what showed up later in Clone Wars? Yeah, one of those helmet designs didn't end up on Boba Fett, but it did end up on one of the crazier Clone Wars episodes where Obi-Wan Kenobi, what, there's an assassin tries to kill him, and instead he doesn't kill him, so they send Obi-Wan Kenobi undercover by changing his face, to be that of the bounty hunter that tried to kill him. So it's basically face off with Obi Wan. And as that bounty hunter, uh, whose name was Reiko Hardeen, he has a helmet that is one of the early, early Ralph McQuarrie designs. It kind of looks Mandalorian. I mean, the, I think the most noticeable thing is it's kind of one of the earlier designs that had the antenna thing. Um, and it's starting with the horizontal visor, but it isn't quite the helmet that we associate with Mandalorians yet. It would take, uh, what, a couple more years and Joe Johnston to get us to that look? Yeah, so flash forward to was about February, March of 78, and Lucas is working on the second draft of Empire after the the unfortunate passing of Lee Brackett and kind of before Lawrence Kasdan moves in. And yeah, by March of 78 this kind of Boba Fett bounty hunter character has been kind of introduced into the story, somebody to track Han Solo. And immediately Ralph McQuarrie and Joe Johnston begin working on designs for what this character is. And it, it's kind of, it's interesting because like, depending on who you talk to, like who really was the designer of Boba Fett, some people will say, Oh, it was Ralph McQuarrie. And some people say, it was Joe Johnston. Cause there's that wonderful Joe Johnston sketchbook book for The Empire Strikes Back and a ton of pages for Boba Fett. But I, you look at like Rinzler's book and you look at like the art of The Empire Strikes Back and it was like, you know, two musicians riffing on a song. Like one person would add a little bit and you look at the final look of Boba Fett and it's it's really kind of a marriage of both of their designs. Yeah, I guess I could see that. I think in my mind it always seemed a little more, maybe just the helmet too of like just the... The kind of clean lines of the helmet always seemed a little more Joe Johnston-y to me. But you're right that it has got to be one of those things where one of them would draw something, the other one would paint it, the other one would draw another drawing based on the painting. So there's definitely some some overlap there. But as far as, you know, if you're looking at the an image and, and when you see that image, you're like, okay, that's that's Boba Fett. I mean, those tend to be the Joe Johnston ones, but how much Ralph McQuarrie design was there along the way is i guess hard to know in hindsight but i always feel like you see those joe johnson drawings and you're like that's that's boba fett when well, there was a real urgency to the designs as uh, lucas wanted to introduce boba for this holiday special that was in the works and kenner really wanted a new character to sell in stores in that lean time in between Star Wars and The Empire Strikes Back which was still 2 years away at this point which is just genius i can't even imagine like you know it's kind of like if there was a action figure for the kenobi show right now <laughs> well which maybe there should be <laughs> So, yeah, June 28th, 1978, there was that Boba Fett screen test with Ben Burtt and editor Dwayne Dunham trying the suit on. Supposedly, it was filmed at George Lucas's house, which makes me wonder who's running the camera. Is it George Lucas running the camera in that world famous screen test? Could be. Who knows? I mean, he knows, (laughs) but I I don't know if he's telling anybody. Boba has sort of a radio voice. There's a speaker built into him here. And also there's a certain amount of telemetry going on and a certain amount of feedback for some reason. You know, that's the white Boba Fett that's kind of hinting at his stormtrooper roots and the idea of the the stormtrooper kind of like super commandos and there being this squad of super stormtroopers. That makes it make sense that this... Character who becomes Boba Fett is somehow tied to the origins of the Stormtroopers. So in Attack of the Clones, when the clones need to have a host, that host being the original Boba Fett, Jango Fett. I mean, that seems like the kind of stuff that George Lucas would do of pulling older ideas and bringing them into the prequels. So was that just for the fans or was that always kind of an idea of where the Stormtroopers came from? It's so crazy to know because there's so much, you know, like so many things when you go digging through like old George Lucas interviews. He'll either say there was the plan all along. Of course I had it. all, Or he's just, you know, you'll find an interview with him where he's just like, I don't I don't know why people love Boba Fett so much. They make me put him in everything. (laughs) One of the characters that will eventually show up in the prequels is Boba Fett. The notorious bounty hunter has become a cult anti-hero ever since his introduction in the Empire Strikes Back. I don't know why. <laughs> I'm mystified by it. Um yeah, he's a, he's a, I mean, I think he's a he's a mysterious character, he's a provocative character, he seems like an all-powerful character except he gets killed. Although he's gotten killed by the people who write the books and everybody else in the comics I and mean, We can't kill him, we gotta bring him back. You know, he can't die. We refuse to let him die. <laughs> Then July of 1978, screen test costume photos are done with uh, Bruce Nicholson, who was like an optical photography supervisor on A New Hope and Empire. He's wearing the armor. This is really crazy because this is the first like painted version of the armor and they're taking photos of it and it's got like the the Clint Eastwood kind of poncho over the front and he's got the designs on the helmet that would later show up on captain rex and stuff and i mean this is this july 78th still like pretty early on and this is a lot of time being spent on this character I and mean, i mean partially that was like we said it was because they needed like an action figure made and they wanted to have him in the holiday special it's crazy like this time between star wars and empire All you were kind of getting on what could happen next is just Boba Fett. Just this one character with a helmet on. Who's obviously going to be the key to all of it. (laughs) Why else would they show us this character two years ahead of time? Yeah, so then August of 78, Kenner releases its January-February 1979 product catalog featuring a very kit-bashed looking crude kind of Boba Fett action figure with the rocket-firing jetpack. Just adding to the the mystique and mystery of Boba Fett, that even his action figure was legendary for doing something that it never actually did. (laughs) (laughs) But somebody knew some kid who knew another kid whose cousins, Boba Fett, could shoot the rocket. But now keep in mind, through all of this, unless you were working at Lucasfilm at this time, you had not seen Boba Fett. And the public's first reveal of Boba Fett was September 24th, 1978, Boba Fett marched in the San, San Anselmo County Fair Parade, worn by, once again, Dwayne Dunham. Like, meanwhile, like, to put this in perspective, in September 1978, Billy Dee Williams still hasn't even been cast as Lando Calrissian. Kasten is still writing, writing the fourth draft of Empire. And here's this mystery character just marching in the county fair parade. They wanted a character that could make public appearances, and I think Bobo was kind of designed as a character between Star Wars and, and Empire that they could, you know, get the public excited about something new. Wayne, how did you get the role? Oh, I, I just fit the suit, that's yeah, he, all. Well, look But listen, but listen, yeah, he, but listen he's, he's, do you like, know that Boba Fett wore spurs? That's in the, right. In the movie. He was yeah, right. Eastwood in outer space, and Ben put spurs on him. So, was, yeah. listen, when Boba Fett walks down the yeah. hallway, yeah. he goes, ching, ching, ching. Could you imagine, could you imagine sitting there watching some parade and it's like, what is this from the next Star Wars? That guy? When are they going to bring that back? Because it's like, I want to meet the, the stars of Rangers of the New Republic and a parade. <laughs> like instead of celebration, just have a parade somewhere. Just pick a town and they're going to unveil the next live action Star Wars show stars in a parade. Just like a new droid. A New alien, something like it was a, it was a cra- it was a crazy year last year, like maybe at the next like Thanksgiving Day parade, just have a droid from Andor going down the street. You want to know what Tykus movie's about? Well, go to this parade and one of the characters is going to be in it.n't it be like, how much plane tickets <laughs> to the parade city <laughs> but yeah, all of this time, the imagination. And the legend around this character is growing because uh, then October seventy eight, the next month, that prototype armor uh, visits Kenner headquarters in Cincinnati for reference photos. The photo for the card for the action figure is taking is taken where he's shooting fire out of his wrist thing. Our favorite part from The Empire Strikes Back when Boba Fett shoots a fireball out of his wrist. <laughs> And the the mail in offer thing for the the rocket firing Boba Fett begins. And the legend that's what I'm saying the legend is growing, the the mystery, the hype. The hype is shooting out of his arm like a flamethrower. Everything kind of culminates in the epic moment that is the holiday special cartoon. You saved my life. Thank you. You are alone. I have two droids. We've come in search of a ship that crashed near here. Maybe I can help you. I am Boba Fett. The ship you seek is nearby. Are the Imperial troops near this planet? They are here, friend, and growing more powerful. How far away? Settle down. (laughs) All they do is eat. This is all we have, but uh, he's welcome to. You are foolish to waste your kindness on this dumb creature. No lower life form is worth going hungry for, friend. But if you think about it, that again just adds to the madness and the hype and the mystery because that only ever aired once. So if you saw it, you saw it. If you didn't, you just heard legend of I saw Boba Fett on a TV show. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. You know we love it. But you had to sit through the whole Wookiee family beginning. You had to sit through itchy, watching the holograms, the uncomfortable stuff. You had to get through all of that to finally get to the cartoon where Boba Fett is riding a pink dinosaur. And it's beautiful. Yeah, and it's legendary. I mean, now it's on the Blu-ray set. It's hidden away on the Blu-ray set. You can watch it. It's on YouTube. It's everywhere. But back, yeah, like you said, back then... If your parents didn't let you stay up and watch the holiday special, you missed it. (laughs) And if your parents did, they probably made you turn it off before it got to Boba Fett. (laughs) But again, yeah, the legend, the coolness. And just he's so cool in that cartoon. Yeah, he shows up on a pink dinosaur and he hits it with a tuning fork rifle, tells it to shut up. Luke thinks Boba Fett is a friend. And then in the end, like he's tied up Han and Chewie or something. Then he takes off and they're like, who is this character? And if you knew somewhere, if like you knew somebody who knew somebody who was like, that, that guy's going to be in the next Star Wars movie for real, we'd lose our mind today if something like that happened. We'd do 20 podcast episodes about it. We'd dedicate a whole year to this mystery character. Who's the mysterious guy in the cartoon in the holiday special year? Month six. <laughs> we, we still don't know, but we've got new theories. I heard his helmet is green. <laughs> what do you think, Jason? We're laughing, but we all know it's true. When Before Wrenches the Sith came out, I called you because there was a rumor that General Grievous's armor was white. <laughs> and that's true. What does it mean, Jason? <laughs> I can't even think about a robot with white armor right now. Well, and again, it's like we're saying, it's so much of that, though, just goes back to that incredibly cool design. And we we've said that with the Mandalorian over and over again with the art of the Mandalorian book, there's just some kind of crazy magic with just the coolness of the suit and the helmet and whatever crazy voodoo they tapped into with that design was just impossibly cool. Well, and it's one of those perfect star Wars designs that looks so simple after the fact, and it's literally like you can draw a T in and in a U above it and draw a line at the bottom, and it's like I drew his helmet, and it's just instantly recognizable. Because yeah, then finally we get to the, what the Empire Strikes Back and uh, Boba Fett, played by the late great Jeremy Bullock, he comes out with spurs, and he's just insanely cool. And then, yeah, he's back in Return of the Jedi, Knocked in the back and falls into the Sarlacc pit. George Lucas is there to remind us that this Star Wars stuff is not that serious. Everybody likes that guy. We spent so many years designing him. Kill him right away. Mm. Ah! Ah! Now, here's where things get really interesting, though, because you know, we go through the the lean times and the the, the late the end of the eighties. Of course, Boba Fett shows up on the droids cartoon, and Boba Fett was what the on, the only character besides the droids that was part of the droids cartoon action figure line. But as we start to get into the nineties, the that's when I feel like the whole Boba Fett thing starts to get real crazy. If he didn't die in Jedi, it might not have been as much of a thing. Because, again, it was like, oh, I heard he's not dead. He's coming back. Or, no, he's dead. Like, it was something to argue about. And it was something that, oh, maybe maybe he really is coming back. Maybe George Lucas said he's coming back. I get, it's the classic thing where I'd be at a Denny's in Grand Rapids wearing a Star Wars shirt. And some guy would be like... You know, Boba Fett's not really dead. George Lucas is going to bring him back. And again, me, me, too cool for school. It's never going to happen. That would would never happen. George Lucas, he killed him. But, hey, he was in the Dark Empire comics. He pulled himself out of the Sarlacc pit for that. And I think eventually, I don't know, I started to just be like, whatever. If Boba Fett pulled himself out of the Sarlacc pit fine he's got a bunch of gadgets on his wrists and his heels and his knees and whatever he can get out of there probably i mean that was almost maybe the the golden age of of kind of the expanded universe kind of too where there was Fett was alive in the expanded universe but if you ever got an interview with lucas he was like no he's dead and it was that whole disconnect between you know, the expanding universe was its thing, and then there was, like, the real Star Wars, the George Lucas Star Wars, where Boba Fett was dead. And, and that just, I think, even, you know, led to the thing, too, where, like, well, he's alive in this thing. He's going to be in the new movies. People wouldn't let him die. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's really true. <laughs> <laughs> because then, what, out comes the special edition in 1997, and you got – Beautiful, bizarre special edition Jabba, and there's Boba Fett, and still one of the weirdest things in the world at the 97 special edition, Boba Fett turns and looks at the camera. <laughs> it's so it's yeah. wild, it's so wild. Well, and it's like, oh, now he's in all three movies. He's totally a main character now. <laughs> but you know what's funny with the whole Boba Fett thing, though, is it was that inspiration for Lucas to just say screw it and bring Maul back to life. Was that when he realized that the fans are forgiving of things that maybe don't make sense when it's a character that they just can't get enough of? And he was just like, fine, Maul's coming back to life too. I don't care if he got cut in half. If Boba Fett can crawl out of the Sarlacc pit, then Darth Maul can come back. But like we said in the beginning, though, it, eventually when we get to the prequels then, doing Boba Fett the way they did as the first clone of Jango— and kind of making Django just as mysterious as kind of Boba Fett almost kind of was in, you know, the original trilogy, but adding so much more depth to the character just made the whole thing, yeah. In now you can look back and be like, it's all just so fascinating. Well, and he also did the thing that Django and Boba are really it's like Anakin and Qui-Gon and Phantom Menace, but now it's Django in Boba in Attack of the Clones and kind of setting up the thing, too, that in Empire, when you see the two of them, you realize that the two of them, like, they almost could be friends (laughs) if they really talked about their feelings because they had similar traumatic childhoods where they lost their real father or father figure, and it kind of shaped their life and maybe led them into making poor decisions. So it is almost like a thematically reminding you of what happened in Phantom Menace with these other characters in Attack of the Clone. And there was the storyboarded, but I don't know how far it ever got thing from Revenge of the Sith, remember, where like Young Boba Fett was going to show up on Coruscant and shoot Mace Windu or something at one point. <laughs> that might have been would have been going too far, but I'm glad they didn't do that because Young Boba Fett is so good in the Clone Wars. Well, and it's another way to tell the same story of kids aren't born bad, and it's choices made, and the influence of other people. Because, you know, in the first couple Clone Wars episodes he's in, he's still pretty young, and he's kind of doing bad things because of he's hanging out with Aura Singh and she's a bad influence. Like, it's kind of, you know, subtly teaching kids about peer pressure in a way, you know, it's a very kind of George Lucas thing in that way and making him into a more ambiguous character that he's not a full on bad guy. Yeah. I mean, in those Clone Wars episodes, you really feel for little Boba. It, it, Daniel Logan's voice performance is just incredible. And he really does, like you were saying, he really does feel like a kind of a good kid that's running with a bad crowd. <laughs> and, you know, and maybe it's just us, but I mean, again, that's the kind of Star Wars stuff that I like when they bring characters back, and it's the whole well, and now Boba Fett's back, but now oh, he's different than I thought he would be, and then then you, when you see him, you know, in Empire Strikes Back, you're like, you remember him as a kid having a rough childhood, and you're like, oh, you know, he's he's not he doesn't really hate Han, he's just he just needs the money to buy food, <laughs> you know? yes. or, He started humanizing him, I guess. Boba Fett happened because George wanted to get into the mindset of Boba as a boy and the loss of his father. And this is going to be a big deal. He's a young boy, 10 or 12 years old, he doesn't understand his emotions. He doesn't understand what he's feeling. He doesn't understand the limits or the concept of morality and right and wrong. Aura Singh had to represent evil. She wants to use Boba to use his malice and his hate and his sadness and his revenge. She wants to turn him into something evil like herself. We'll it all becomes too much for him. It has to test his idea of morality. And, and he's the killer at that point. Well, there was the whole unfinished arc that what filoni was talking about where it was going to happen in uh in the, what the original ideas for what would have ended up being somewhere in season seven whereas it was what, what filoni talking about how there was going to be a whole arc with little boba and cad bane with kind of cad bane being this new mentor for boba fett when they was, i'd swear like at one of the panels at celebration there was art with like the two of them sitting by a campfire like almost very much like what we have seen many times in the Mandalorian when like the Mandalorian just stops and is hanging out with Tusken Raiders along his journey. Yeah, just a very full-on western story with these two gunslingers, the the grizzled older gunslinger and the young the young buck. Kind of like the Toro Calican episode <laughs> a little bit. I People are going to watch that episode in 10 years. They're going to be like, this is genius. <laughs> Got nowhere to go but up, and it keeps going up. Well, we were bringing Cad Bane back. We had, those of you that follow the Clone Wars know, we, we focused on a lot of character groups. So there was usually a bounty hunter series of stories, the Jedi series of stories, droid series of stories, and then clone-centric arcs. Um, the next uh, arc that involved the, the bounty hunters was really the, finally bringing the two big bounty hunters and Boba Fett and Cad Bane together. And it was a story about their interaction and got into uh, you know, Cad Bane's knowing Django and a bit of history about that. It was uh, basically George likes the movie The Searchers. So we were doing an episode where Boba and Cad kind of teamed up to rescue uh, this kid that had been kidnapped by Tusken Raiders. Uh, and it followed very similar plots, so we we did a lot of development on Tusken Raiders for the episode. So around this time, kind of too, I th- they were developing with the the live action TV show that never happened, and there was always the rumor that Boba Fett was going to be involved in that somehow. Which, considering everything we've just said, you'd have to believe that. Yes, probably Boba Fett was going to be involved in the the live-action TV show that never happened. And the 1313 game, we've seen the art from that. And Boba Fett was most definitely going to be in that. Yeah, because if there's been a constant in future projects for Lucasfilm before and after the Disney sale, it was like even before maybe even sequel trilogy th- thoughts, there was always... A plan for something Boba Fett, and after the Disney purchase, there was still plans for something Boba Fett, even as they were working on the sequel trilogy. It was like one of the rumors that first came out of the, the idea of standalone movies, and you always heard a Boba Fett movie, and you know it was the the rumor. Uh, has it been confirmed since then? I think so. That Josh Trank's Project that he was attached to was going to be a Boba Fett movie. What would that have even been? One day, will we ever learn what was that? Yeah, hopefully, there's a a book of Star Wars projects that never were, and we get to see because there was probably a teaser trailer somebody made for them to show at Celebration. It would have been done earlier than you know the day before, or whenever they decided to tell they decided for him not to come. So that has to exist somewhere, a a title card maybe or something. I would love it if the teaser trailer was just like, they just play the Rogue One teaser again, but at the end of the Rogue One teaser, Boba Fett just walks out and looks at the camera once again. (laughs) So then, of course, the Josh Trank thing never happens, but then in the the Art of the Mandalorian book in uh, about September... November 2017, plans are happening for The Mandalorian, where they they hear Jon Favreau's pitch with Dave Filoni, Carrie Beck, and Christopher Yost, and Kathleen Kennedy. But then what, what's interesting is that, so that was 2017, and then in May 2018, the news came out that James Mangold was directing a Boba Fett standalone movie. Which I remember, I remember that night it came, that news came out as I was driving to go see Solo. And I was like, I can't, what are you doing? I can't think about, I'm going to see a Star Wars movie now. Don't tell me about the next one when I'm driving to the new one. That was in the overload times. when There's there just too much. I'm still thinking about Last Jedi. I got to go watch Solo. Now I'm hearing about Boba Fett. Was that ever really happening? Was there confusion between the Mandalorian show being developed and was James Mangold hanging out because he was going to direct something for the show? Was he there talking about indie? Was that even a thing at that point? So many possibilities. I have just got to think though, that now the way things worked out is for the best in my opinion, because Again, even though I said when the Mandalorian first started airing that like I never want to see Boba Fett in this show, he's dead, you know. And now I'm like ready to buy a three hundred dollar Hot Toys figure. It all worked out. the The way to bring him back, the way they did it, and again, Tamil Morrison's performance, in my opinion, it's perfect. It's amazing. I Good Guy Boba Fett. It's the best. <laughs> when it's kind of the whole thing with. Uh... You know, like I was saying with Ahsoka and even now with Ball, like letting these kind of characters have the time to kind of tell their story and not trying to condense everything into a two-hour movie works in their favor. And especially for these kind of characters that have been around for so long in actual real-world time and, you know, a character we've seen as a child and now as an old man, like I don't think I would trade a Boba Fett TV show for a Boba Fett movie for anything because it just seems like this is the best way to tell this character's story. And also to let us kind of ease into it. Like, I don't know if I would have, if I could have handled a Boba Fett movie without having him just show up a little bit in Mandalorian, Mandalorian to kind of like ease us in to, to, to tomorrow being back. And would the movie have still been, more Morrison, like there were rumors it was going to be somebody different, and that's where it gets weird. Where it almost sounded like the rumors about the movie were the Cobb Vanth story about how it's someone else who has the armor, which in hindsight almost seems like maybe someone just saw season two scripts and they thought it was a Mandalorian, a Boba Fett movie. Who knows? Because yeah, I mean, just like just like how Cobb Vanth came from Aftermath, which is still insane. So much of what was in Season 2 of with Mando's story had its roots in, what, EU stuff even farther back. Like, prequel era stuff, right? Technically, I think that's Season 1 stuff and back with Clone Wars of just the idea, what was the... The Django comic that came out after Attack of the Clones open seasons like that had a version of Death Watch in it called Death Watch, but they were, I think, Mandalorians that they didn't wear their armor anymore, but they were fighting with the Mandalorians who still wore their armor. There was a, the leader of Death Watch was just called Visla Django's father is killed by Visla and Django gets adopted by these Mandalorians, and there's even like a panel in the comic of him being carried away by someone in Mandalorian armor. Like, it's kind of crazy how much of that seems to have, I would think, influenced what we saw in season one because it's kind of the same visuals. Well, and yeah, now that kind of brings us right up to the Book of Boba Fett, which even that maybe is a reference, who knows, to. Some wild, old, slightly obscure prequel era EU stuff, right? Yeah, because after Attack of the Clones, there was a Boba Fett young reader series by Scholastic. I think they're all, no, they're written by uh, Terry Bisson, Elizabeth Hand, and they kind of take place between Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith, and they kind of deal with teenage Boba. But what's insane is on one hand, it's like, okay, they're Boba Fett books. Yeah, there's been a lot of Boba Fett books. But in the story, after the Battle of Geonosis and Django is killed, Boba finds, he grabs Django's armor, he goes back to the Slave One, and he finds literally a black book with a message from his father. So Django had a book that he gives to Boba. Yeah. So there was a book of Django Fett that Boba Fett has. So is that tying into this show? Is Boba writing in his book of Boba Fett? That was the book that he inherited from his father, like his father's armor. Yeah. What does that mean? Do we get flashbacks to Django's chapters in his book and then Boba's chapters? Like, I don't know. It's just... It sounded crazy to have Book of Boba Fett, but maybe it's not as crazy as it sounded. Is it, like, the, the lessons that his father left for him in case anything ever happened, you know, to Django, like, I'm tell you my story and what I want you to do if anything happens to me. You know, like, that would be incredibly cool. Yeah, are we actually going to see Boba Fett literally opening up a book? <laughs> and he has, like a little Boba Fett pen that looks like his visor or his antenna with the little thing on the end. And he's like, right or He pulls it off his helmet and it's actually a pen that he can write in his book. I love over and over again. I've, I've said how much I love good guy, Boba Fett. I love like in, uh, the rescue when he flies away and he calls Bo-Katan princess and stuff after how much they, they fought in the beginning of that episode. It's all just so wonderful. But then at the end, him kind of showing up back at Jabba's palace and kills giant Matt Wood Biv Fortuna. Outrageous. Okay, why does he want that now, though? Why does he want to be the king gangster of Tatooine? What in Boba's story now makes him want... Is it revenge? Because I was almost watching Boba in Mandalorian Season 2 being like, he's not a bounty hunter. I mean... What has he been? When? How long did he? From is it been since he got out of the Sarlacc pit to when he's watching Mando go by in his speeder with the the Cobb Vanth armor? Like what? What's he been doing? Like if Slave One was there that whole time, what's he been up to? He doesn't really seem to be interested in going back to his old lifestyle, but then he does want to go to Jabba's palace and kind of sit on that throne. Maybe he was working for Big Fortuna. <laughs> He really didn't want to, but that's all he could do. I don't, yeah, I don't know. There's so much that could happen in Book of Boba, because, yeah, we can, will we find out about that time between him escaping and running into Din Djarin? Was he watching Cobb Vanth all these years at this point? And, you know, the Clone Wars cartoon, what few episodes he was in, they made a point of, kind of showing that he's kind of buddies with the other Bonnie hunters. I mean, he would he would do jobs with Bosk and Dengar and Cad Bane. Are we going to get live-action Cad Bane? Are we going to get a live-action Bosk that talks? Lordy, 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 you know? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we know Fennec is going to be uh, a part of the Book of Boba Fett. And we know Fennec is going to be in the Bad Batch. So then is a little bit older, younger Boba Fett going to be in Bad Batch also? Because if Fennec is a bounty hunter and Boba, you'd have to imagine after the end of the Clone Wars, is still kind of out there as this young bounty hunter person. Are we going to see how these two met in Bad Batch? Are they going to go there? Is there room for that in these stories? I don't know. Well, and are they going to bring back Daniel Logan and have, you know, we've had flashbacks of Din and Mandalorian when he's a kid. Or is Boba going to remember stories of him as a kid and we're going to get Daniel Logan? Like, are we going to get Boba remembering the campfire story with Cad Bane and, and him as a kid and it's going to be Daniel Logan, Boba Fett? Like, are, are we getting... All the Boba Fetts that they can fit into one show? It's like we said, it's the crazy, crazy, crazy thing that we're even talking about this right now. That we are even talking about this. People who said not that long ago that we they didn't really care about Boba Fett. And now Boba Fett is... Outside of the last name Skywalker, one of the most interesting, long-running, complex characters in this whole crazy Star Wars thing. Five years ago, I wouldn't have imagined if if Jason just randomly texts me and says, hey, what are you thinking about? That my answer is probably going to be, I'm thinking about Boba Fett. <laughs> 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 and whatever it is, his book is going to be. Is it the book from the the kids' books from two thousand two? I don't know. We, I cannot wait. It's going to be the yeah, the holiday present at the end of the year. The book of Boba Fett. We're going to be talking about it nonstop. It's the Boba Fett Renaissance, and we're we're just we're at the art gallery admiring the Renaissance art that is the Boba Fett. He's one of the few characters that could have an entire Boba Fett museum. And there's all the different wings of all the different Boba Fett periods. We are waiting anxiously for the unveiling of the, of the newest wing in the Boba Fett museum. I'm a convert. I'm ready to say, let the past die. Kill it if you have to. I'm here for Boba Fett. You're going to wash those t-shirts and wear them all at once. I'm gonna find my hologram watch, even if it doesn't work. <laughs> no one else will know that it was a Boba Fett watch, but you'll know. That's all that matters. <laughs> sold separately. Capture them alive! I'm the best bounty hunter in the whole galaxy. That's why you got the job. Boba Fett has a see-through helmet with play rangefinder to locate your objective. You can move his legs, knees, arms, even wrists and elbows. His backpack unit is removable. You have your mission. Good luck. I don't need luck. I'm the best. New Boba Fett Star Wars large-size action figure from Kenner. Darth later sold separately. This is Captain Rex. You're listening to Jason and Gabe on Blast Points. And these blast points, too accurate for sand people. Only Imperial stormtroopers are so precise. what apple podcast reviews they help the show in mysterious ways as someone goes on like apple podcasts and they're like what's well, a star wars podcast to listen to if you write a little review and say something nice about blast points it'll help more people find the show and it makes us really happy and we will read your review that you write on uh, an upcoming show And after that, make sure you're checking out our website, BlastPointsPodcast.com, which is the best place to search through back episodes. And also make sure you're following us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And if you're a member of Facebook, make sure you are a member of the BlastPoints Chill Group. And if you want to support the show in a different way, we have got the BlastPoints Army on Patreon with tons and tons and tons of bonus episodes clone wars reviews mandalorian reviews season one season two commentaries other fun stuff q and a's and uh yeah that's all bonus stuff that's uh there on the patreon yeah if you need more boba fett talk from us there's a lot of boba fett talk in mandalorian patreon episodes You can hear us working through the feelings that we tried to summarize in this (laughs) condensed version. But yeah, that about wraps up number 254 here of Blast Points. Next week, stay tuned. It's the return of Indie Year, the second installment of Indie Year. It's a hot one. It's a record-breaking episode. (laughs) If if next week's episode was in a wooden crate... All the Nazi writing would get burned off the side of it. It's so odd. Rats would be headbanging. <laughs> yeah. Look forward to the return of Indie year next week. But uh, But yeah, as for 254 here, thank you everyone so much for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye bye. May the force be with you. Goodbye, old friend. May the force be with you. first day was um, a, a scene with all the bounty hunters. And I, really, all I was doing was just standing and looking at Darth Vader occasionally. No disintegration as you wish. I remember my younger son saying, um, isn't it funny you put a bucket over your head, Dad, and, uh, you know, and people think you're rather cool. He's all yours. Buddy. He's no good to me dead. <laughs> me the force, be with all of you.